If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Explorative Podcast. Hi guys and welcome to the Exploraminate podcast and yes it's me Drexy doing the intro. Wow, <laughs> Rob's not here so someone has to do it. So yeah, basically we're just having like another I guess what we call Commonwealth episodes which is uh, me, Ben and Sean, the non-Americans <laughs> taking over the podcast and this is going to be like an informal podcast again, not really like a main one and we're just going to be talking our normal gibberish I guess. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. And with that, Ben, how's it going? I'm going good. How's it going? <laughs> you're, you're going good? I'm going, going good. is good. Good is going. <laughs> good is going, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have like a sort of reverse tea party today. Yeah. <laughs> no Americans on the show. <laughs> Alternative history. What if we did win the war? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Sean, our man from Down Under, how's it going? Yeah, good man. You know, living the dream, coming at you from, uh, shit, where is it? Coming at you from the, no, I can't say from the colonies. From <laughs> Coming at you from the future. Let's go with that. Yeah, that, that, that works. <laughs> so what are we talking about today then, Drax? Um, well, that's the thing. What are we talking about tonight? This is kind of an impromptu uh, episode, really. Uh, we just thought we'd get on chat the shit and see what comes out uh so what do you want to guys want to start with do you want to go some with some news, news. Yeah. yeah i think we should go yeah. with some news let's do it so um let's what we better talk about age of wonders because age of wonders 4 has had a big update and a new dlc that has come out sadly i am not the best person to talk to you about it because i haven't played it yet <laughs> but i have heard that i've heard mixed things okay about age of wonders now I think it's fair to say that the consensus on this DLC that is is that it's really good. People who like Age of Wonders 4 are really loving it. Um, it has tempted me to buy it, and I'll tell you why, because it's got birds in it. <laughs> I like the avian race. They look really, really cool. I think the aesthetic they've gone for with it is really, really cool. 
and I'm a sucker for stuff like that. So I'm I'm tempted. But what I'm more interested in is trying to get my head around whether these free updates, you know, the kind of general updates to so the the overall game system have actually tightened the game up. Um, I liked Age of Wonders four, but I didn't love it, and I think I was in a minority there. I was one of those people who kind of. I played it and I I thought it was great for about 20 hours. And then just like with every other Age of Wonders game I've ever played, after about 20 hours, I'm done. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't know. I just can't be bothered with this. And there's just something about the strategic layer that just does not keep me engaged. Um, but I've been talking to a few people, including Jesse at Explorminate, who's been kind of like, give, you know, giving me a bit of information and saying why he thinks the game has tightened up in certain ways. Um, but I think the what he was saying to me was, if you're not really that enthusiastic about the core game, it's probably not changed enough, you know, to change your mind. However, if you do like Age of Wonders four, the uh, this big update that they brought in really has made it a lot better. What, what about you guys? What do you think? I kind of same. I played maybe twenty hours when the game came out and just uh, just didn't feel motivated uh, to play anymore. I'm not saying it's a bad game. It's just that I don't. Know, I'm struggling with games at the moment in general. Really, um, if if you don't grab my interest like that, because the way my bloody brain works and <laughs> it's very hard for me to come back sort of thing um i mean the only 4x i've played in the last six months is probably distant worlds 2 <laughs> well we can come to distant worlds 2 in a second what, what about you sean yeah i'm more or less the same i've played only played a few hours of this i remember playing a lot of age of wonders 3 which isn't on steam so i don't well i don't have it on steam so i don't know how many hours i had Oh, wait, yes, it is. No, I must have played it somewhere else that wasn't on Steam. Um, and I remember I played a fair bit of that, but Planetfall and 4, I just haven't spent a lot of time with. It's I, I like the tactical combat, uh, but it feels like... I, I think I brought this up with you the other day. It's, it feels like if it having that and the strategic layer and everything together is just a bit overwhelming for me. It feels like there's too much going on. I had it more with Planetfall, I think. I haven't spent enough time with 4 to get the same feeling really but it's just i find it a bit overwhelming to having all of that together so i i don't know i just dropped off it pretty quick which i thought would happen but um i was hoping to not have that this time but yeah uh, there's plenty of people around that do like it like you said jesse and plenty of guys in the community enjoy it so they're doing something right they're definitely doing something right because it's sold like hotcakes and uh you know it's i think we were just talking before the podcast started and there's quite a lot of what we'd call kind of <laughs> sort of normie gamer channels, you know, people who just sort of play AAA. What did you call it, Sean? AAA, you know, world building Spider-Man bastard games or something. Yeah, yeah, the the big AAA, right. like you know, the PlayStation console multi-platform, like like massive games. And there's, there's a few of these channels. They do review bits and pieces of other games, but they're not a specialized to something like Explorminate. So they're sort of just like surface level. And I know I've, I've heard a couple of these guys talking about it now and they rave about Age of Wonders 4. So that must be like your paradox advertising machine at work because, uh, you know, you've got people who would normally not be that interested in the genre are like Age of Wonders 4 is the best game I've ever played. And admittedly, they probably don't have that much experience. But the point is, it got out there and pushed into the mainstream. So they've done something there. I think for a lot of those types of guys, if the presentation is good, then they'll rate it rather than, you know, being deep into mechanics like we are sort of thing. I think it's more of a presentation thing probably impresses them more than, you know, what's actually happening under the hood. I completely agree. And I, not, and I mean that with respect as well. And I'm not saying that, you know, people are just superficial. It's more that um, Age of Wonders 4 is incredibly good on the presentation. I don't know if you've, like, 
um, the user interface, for example, is incredibly good looking. It's really, really tight. Uh, me and the uh, the project manager for Galaxy 4 were actually taking a look at uh, Age of Wonders and we were like, check out this UI, man. Like it is really, it's really nicely produced. It goes, it works really well with the rest of the graphics. There's some strange things though in Age of Wonders 4. Like, you know, when you click on a unit and you, you're, you're looking at, so you double click on a unit and you bring it up into the screen where you actually examine the unit. For a start in Age of Wonders Planetfall and 3 and the games before, there was a load of fluff text. They've got rid of that for some reason. So you don't get any lore for the the characters anymore or for any of the monsters. Also, everything's so dark. It's like the, there needs to be a spotlight or something on the on the on the models. There's some weird changes in it. But um yeah, I I think the way for me to look at Age of Wonders 4 is this. The tactical gameplay still takes away from the strategic side, and the strategic side isn't interesting enough to keep me playing like, you know, dozens and dozens of those big long tactical combat maps and i think the tactical combat is amazing by the way it's really really good um i i'm really going off fantasy 4x 4x games though that are too balanced and um, i this was something i was talking about in the community the other day and i was talking to my japanese friend miyabi who uh, runs a sort of japanese based version of explominate like you know a, a turn-based fantasy kind of group and he we were talking like what is it about age of wonders you know four that's not quite doing it and uh, and I said to him, I feel, right, and this is something I w- we were talking about when we actually talked to the developers a little bit, and they kind of picked up on this, I think. They must have heard me speaking because they brought it up. But I don't really feel very powerful when I play Age of Wonders 4. So let me use the example of something like Conquest of Elysium. Let's say you're playing Conquest of Elysium and you luckily get a, a mage who's got a really powerful spell, let's say like a necromancer who's got the death spell. Now in Conquest of Elysium, that spell just deletes entire armies, right? So if you can put some, a few units in front of this mage, you know, to protect him from arrows and, you know, from melee, he will just systematically eliminate the entire enemy army uh, if they're susceptible to that particular spell, which most things are. Or a lot of things are. That is incredibly powerful. It's quite rare to get, at least until the end of the game. And when you get it, you're like, wow, this is amazing. And if the enemy's got it, if the AI's got it, you're just like, holy crap, I've got to figure out some way to deal with this because, you know, especially if you're like playing a, you know, any unit, any army that has a lot of units that are susceptible to that spell, you've got to come up with a way to beat it. There's nothing like that in Age of Wonders 4. Like it's all just overbalanced. It's all just different types of. It's like this JRPG sort of damage system where you know, oh, this is poison damage. This is fire damage, and you know, this is a buff that helps against fire damage. This is a buff. It's. I just none of the. You know, there's nothing in there that like you know will just obliterate half of the map if you're not careful. And that it's not designed to be like that. And I understand. That. I can hear the game designers now arguing with me, saying, "Well, it's not supposed to be that kind of game." You know, for a start, it's a multiplayer game. It's heavily balanced for multiplayer, clearly, which immediately is at cross purposes with single player design, in my opinion. Um, and secondly, it just, yeah, it, it you don't have any kind of organic difficulty. And this is something I want to talk about a little bit more. But because everything's so balanced, you, you know, you're, you want every tactical battle is important. And that is an interesting, you know, that is interesting because it means each battle is, you know, is difficult because stuff's balanced right you, you you can't just rock up like in master of magic if you rock up to an enemy with a flying unit and they've got no archers or anything that can hit flying units they lose the battle okay i miss stuff like that because it means that you, you have to be prepared for it in master of magic if you're coming up against um, a mage that can f- use flying units at you you have to be prepared for that that's part of the forex experience you know it's like imagine being a world leader um, surrounded by nuclear nations but you're stupid and you don't bother develop any nukes yourself it's like well 
you've obviously lost the game then because you you weren't prepared. But that just, just doesn't seem to matter in Age of Wonders. It doesn't, no matter what you build or no matter, you know, how you build your, you know, your stuff up. It doesn't really see, you never really think, oh, I've just been countered, you know? You never really get that. So I understand that some stuff has come in in the new DLC, which changes that a little bit. Um, there are now spells, apparently, that will help counter other spells. But for the most part, I just I, that's, that is what's lacking in Age of Wonders 4. I never really feel very powerful. I never feel like I've, there's, you know, oh, I've just come up with this amazing combination of, you know, ma- magic spells that's just super overpowered and the AI is going to get wrecked. I think that's why normies like games like that. <laughs> this is why the Civ series is so popular amongst, I guess we call normies, is because there's not that imbalance and it's just, uh, I, th- I feel some people, if the game's too hard like that or stuff like that can happen, can put them off and they go, oh, well, I'll go and play the other 100 other triple a games <laughs> rather than thinking no i must beat this thing like we do that's what i'm saying i think there's i think there's a very console player brain and old school pc game gamer brain and i think this is where certain games fall into and it's cool if if you're into that stuff fine but there's some of us that are into you know we like the sort of uh, it's almost like a puzzle aspect of forex. How how can how can I get take this weird piece that doesn't seem to fit anywhere and make it fit into this to make the game do what I want to do or overcome a problem in the game? And I think for a lot of people, they just want the uh, I don't know how to put it. Just almost like a, a little story they can have in their brains that yeah, I was really strong. Be- <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying, <laughs> but you, you know, what I mean, there's just I think there's just this different way people look at games, and for me, and probably for you guys as well, Age of Wonders Four kind of falls in that other category for us at the moment. I just want to quickly just address a couple of things you said. Um, Sean just mentioned that it's it is really accessible, and that's part of the reason why it's popular. Um, and yes, you were talking about civilization, and which civilization is basically is, what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> Civ know, is really well. Civ is quite balanced, but that's because it doesn't take any risks. But the other thing about Civ is it's actually a really tight game. It's got like every, every especially Civ Four. You know, the best of the series, in my opinion. All the mechanics in that game were so tight that you know it you had to consider your build at all times and you had to plot your trajectory through the game and if you came up against other civilizations you had to carefully look to see what they were doing you don't really get that in age of wonders it doesn't matter what the enemy's doing really it doesn't really matter what build they've got um you know you pretty much can you can pretty much just build however you want and go and ruffle something ai uh, so that that was kind of the issue that i've got with it like it's not civ's popular because it's a good game it's not just because it's accessible but this kind of like throws into this it throws into the conversation the whole idea that what sells, yeah, is not necessarily what makes a, an interesting game for the sort of people like us who are jaded forex game, you know, forex gamers. Because you know, you uh, games developers are at the mercy of negative Steam reviews. I mean, we we saw this with Gals- with with our game Galsif Four Supernova. Like there was a lot of genuine reviews of people were pissed off because of bugs and you know various bits and pieces. But then you'd also get you you get a whole lot of reviews that are kind of just like people moaning and they just moan about everything like oh i don't like the sound effect it's like okay that's just a weird you know you play for 60 70 hours and then you've then you've like <laughs> left a review saying you don't like a specific sound effect so you, you always get guys like that and then uh, you but you you also get people who cannot have any difficulty the game's got to be like immediately completable uh they they, they they've got to have it so that they are led by the nose 
they can't read a manual, they can't read tooltips, so they have to be shown how to play the game. Uh, you know, and I think one of the reasons, one of the things that's good about Age of Wonders Four is they've really. Uh, it's hard. To, it, it hurts me saying this, but they've kind of dumbed it down to make it more digestible to avoid a lot of the negative reviews. I think that's basically what's happened. So they're reaping the rewards because they're getting loads of sales, and that's great. By the way, that's great for Triumph. It's great for Paradox. I'm really pleased for them. I'm really, really pleased it's done well because it's pushing the forex genre. However, it's at the expense of alienating some of the veteran players. I feel. Uh, I just want to talk briefly about the new interstellar space genesis patch which is brought in new victory conditions and some balance tweaks and uh, quality of life things which is great it's a great game i really i did i did enjoy it when i played it but i, I just don't feel incentivized to play this game anymore really and i'm just wondering i mean like i said it's great they they keep bringing out updates for this game, but I kind of feel it's time for them to move on to something else, if possible. Or, you know, I would love to hear from them to see what their plans are because they're putting in a lot of work into a game which I don't think is actually that popular, even though many of us enjoy it. It's just, I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? I think Interstellar Space Genesis is a really good game now. Uh, the last time I played it, like I kind of, I played it a bit when it came out and I was like, oh, this is great, but, you know, needs work. Uh, it did need work as well, but they've really polished it up. And I think every time they've put out a DLC, they've also put in a load of new, you know, like kind of free changes as well. I can't really complain about the development cycle of ISG other than that it was a bit weak on launch. So it is good. Uh, it's a really good game. I know Daz Tactic thinks it's great. He's He, he was raving about it about a year ago um, when I was chatting to him about it. He was just saying he thought it was it was a wonderful game. And so I agree with you though, Drexy. I think it's, it's great. And the... I haven't played the latest version yet. Um, it's one of those games that I struggle to finish a game of. I think part of the reason is because it's so close to Master of Orion 2 that I kind of, in my mind, I've just got it that Master of Orion 1 is a better game. <laughs> so I tend to play Remnants of the Precursors. I just like that game best. It's, you know, it's one of my favorite 4X games. Uh, but I do like Interstellar Space Genesis has really, really gone off in a different direction. Um, they've added new, one of the things they've added in this new update is different victory conditions. And all I, the only thing I'd caution about that is that you know when you start, you really got to kind of get if you're going to put different victory conditions into a game, you've got to really make sure the entire game can handle that right because it always throws things off. I mean, I think it was one of the issues with Gals with Galsiv Four when it first released on on um, on Epic was that there was these you know these new diff victory conditions like prestige victory and stuff, and they hadn't really been properly baked into the game. It's one of the things that people were complaining about. So you've got to be really careful with victory conditions because if they trigger too early or if that you know one of them's really easy or it doesn't really feel like it meshes with the rest of the game, then yeah, I, I, it, they take a lot of balancing is what I'm getting at. And I think that I'm interested to see how that works out. I'm going to have to fire that game up, but I don't feel quite like you should directly. I think it's a really good game, but I do, I agree with you that maybe, maybe it's time for them to move on. Like, I wonder how long they're going to continue working on this one game. Yeah, yeah like I said, I, I enjoy it. I, I, you know, I've played it a lot, but recently, even with these patches, I'm kind of like thinking, uh, okay, but... <laughs> What's what's next? I think I think it's I think they've done all they can to this game, and I wish they would use because they've clearly got good ideas, these guys. But I wish they would redirect that energy. Maybe because I don't know how they're working. Maybe they've got day jobs, or because it's not a massive game. But I just wish they would maybe start building 
on top of what they've learned from this game into a new game that's more unique as well. Like you were saying, it's whilst they've made lots of changes from Master Ryan 2, it's still at the core Master Ryan 2. So I would like them to, you know, maybe try a new game. Yeah, surely they've learned something new from what they've, you know, from the development experience. Because like you say, they've taken it in some different directions. And so I'd be interested to see what they could do with their whole, you know, a whole new game and maybe just it doesn't have to be a space for it it could be anything like i'd be interested to see them do a tactics game or whatever you know like they i'm sure they could they should they could utilize the you know the, the skills that they've got now the skill set because they were clearly a great developer yeah for sure and talk talking of taking an old game and making it into something new uh, sean you've been playing the uh zephon demo but that was a top tier segue <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent bravo <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I have been playing the Zephon demo. It came out at the end of October, and it's actually mid-November now, but I finally managed to drag myself away from Dark Tide and have a look at it. Uh, it's, yeah, no, it's it's pretty good. It's still, I don't think they, oh, they didn't add, it's not a massive change, but they've added a new faction, which I think is like the, uh, I think it's like the Chained Mind or something like that. I've actually been playing it. It functions like the, like the Space Marines from Gladius. It's a single city with a, big gun on top of it and um apart from that it's it's running into the problem that, that it's already had where it feels like the early tiers are pretty much all the same units i don't know what they plan on doing with that but it's kind of a major gripe i've got with it at the moment is that they all feel basically the same with the units so yeah no i've spent some time with that trying out the new faction and uh you know it's still in demo at the moment but i'm quite enjoying what's there it I know um, it, it still feels a lot like, I don't know if I'd call it a clone, but sort of like a, a sequel to Gladius, but not 40K, if that makes sense, like a spiritual sequel kind of thing. Like maybe that's what they're going for. And the, I, like they've added new stuff. Like I've had a look around at diplomacy and things like that. So there's already new mechanics in there. And yeah, I've been quite enjoying what I'm playing so far. Yeah, I have not played this version of the demo. I played the the first demo they brought out and it felt so much like Gladius. I'm like, yes, yeah, so I'm just wondering. I mean, I've been reading their dev blogs and I know they're bringing in a whole bunch of different mechanics that wasn't in uh, Gladius, like the diplomacy stuff. But I'm just wondering, has this new demo added enough in for me to bother playing it or should I still wait to see what they come up with uh, in the future? I'd probably wait. If you Did you try any of the earlier demos? Yeah, yeah, I played the first one that came out. Like I said, because there wasn't really much in there except for just fighting, really. There wasn't any diplomacy or any sort of story stuff or anything like that. So it just felt very much like Gladius at the time. Um, And I was kind of disappointed because, you know, I've been reading all these blogs and all these new mechanics that are coming and it's clearly not ready to be put into the demo. I was just wondering whether... This demo too, I think it is. Whether how much extra has been put in there, really, or like I'm saying, should I just wait for maybe demo three or four? I'd probably wait. Uh, at the moment, they've they've put in some new units, but again, a lot of them feel like Gladius. They've got the one called the uh, damn, what was it? The Dream Eater. The Dream Eater is basically the Enslavers from Gladius. Like a lot of these units, uh, mechanically almost identical to their Gladius counterparts, but they're different names and do different things. Like the Dream Eater can float and it has a ranged attack and it enslaves your units just like the Enslaver does, basically. And then 
the the only really different thing I think they've done so far is the diplomacy, and you've now got a neutral faction. I think the units, I think they're called the Reavers or something. There's a neutral faction that you can trade with. So there's trade systems where you can ally yourself with the neutral faction to help you and send you units and stuff. And then you've got diplomacy with other players, which is fairly basic. It essentially amounts to I'm at war with you or I'm at not at war with you. Let's have a, what do you call it, map vision pack. I can't remember what the hell it's called. Or a trade pact. And that's about it. Like It feels almost like the stuff from Northgard and June, which is fairly basic. June, not so much, but the Northgard diplomacy system that they added in later sort of feels similar. But yeah, that, that's really all there is at the moment. If if you've seen the first one, I'd probably just wait. Yeah, I've kind of avoided it, to be honest. <clears throat> the reason being is because I'm a bit burned out on early access games, actually. And I just, I find that if I play a game heavily in early access, then by the time it actually releases, I'm just not that bothered by it. I, d- I feel like I've kind of seen how the sausage is made, you know, and that sort of puts me off wanting to play it properly. And, you know, I know that I think a lot of other people are in a similar state. It's not a very good thing to do with somebody who's supposed to be a 4X, you know, person. Really, I should be checking it and figuring it out. But I'm like, I'm, I loved Gladius. I think it's an amazing game. I'm not surprised to hear, by the way, that they're just recycling units from Gladius. I mean, what else can they do with that system? If they've not changed the combat system very much, they're going to, they pretty much exhausted, like, you know, what you can do with that tactical you know tactical combat on the strategic map once one one uh, unit per hex kind of thing i don't uh, you know they're gonna have to just recycle they're gonna be recycling stuff that's just how it's got to be because you know i mean how big how many dlcs were there for gladius now and they're bringing another one as well the dark the drukari or dark elder have just been you know announced as well so they're gonna have to start getting really creative if they want to do something new with it and if if the new stuff that they're adding into the game doesn't add that much then really they, I don't know. I feel like they're missing a trick. I, I don't know Like if it, it really is still a very war-based game just like Gladius. What does diplomacy add? That's a, that's a question that I want to know. Like, what are they, is it, because really, if there's if there's no other victory condition other than winning, you know, like conquest, what's the point of diplomacy? Like, all you, it, then it becomes like a zero-sum game, okay? And if it's a zero-sum game, the, when you start having alliances, they are like the diploma, the, the alliances you get in the game diplomacy or uh, or dominions, where the, you know that they're only temporary. Now, that if you're playing a multiplayer game, that does add a lot of very interesting strategic considerations. You know, that's a really interesting multiplayer thing. But that's not a normie game <laughs> like that. That isn't something that people who aren't into that style of intense diplomacy are going to enjoy i don't think so i want to know what is diplomacy doing in this game is there a diplomatic victory you know is it just there for you to to trade resources with people until you're ready to kill them because if that's the case i don't think that fits in a in a game like that and i think that gladius actually was a better game for having no diplomacy because i can't so if they are just transplanting gladius and then adding you know and then just transplanting diplomacy into that i don't think that's going to work so I'm, I, I, but I haven't played it, so I don't know. I'm just, I'm just theory crafting based on what I know about games mechanics. So yeah. Well, I think the main thing with Gladius, which was my, my most exciting, is the whole. You had the different factions. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head everything, but basically, what it was, what it depended on what faction you aligned with, it would change the way your uh, armies would be and stuff. So if you were leaning more heavily into the aliens. Your your army was supposed to morph more towards the aliens and become 
more technologically like them. And then there was a, was there like a, I can't remember. There was an, another faction that you, there were like three different factions or something where depending on how much you took from them, it would change your race. I think, like you're saying, because it's early access, I don't think any of that's in these demos and it's making me wonder what's the point of releasing these demos. I like, like you said, with early access, I think I, I might be at the point where I've just like, look, I'm just going to see out, wait for them to release the game, and then I'll judge it. Because if I play too much, like I did with Galsy 4, I, when I played it so much when it was on Epic, even though I've been, like I said last time, I've been watching videos and it got me excited to play Galsy 4. Every time I load it up, it, it just, I can't get past the 70 odd hours I played in the pre Supernova thing. It's really hard for me to struggle past that and see what's new. So that's why I've not really been able to give uh, Galsiv Supernova the time it deserves because, yeah, I'm just sort of a bit tainted by what I, I saw in the early access. So I think with Zephon, I'm just going to wait now. I, I know I was really excited for it, but I think uh, I'm just going to tailor my expectations and wait until the final product's up, out and then... You know, I may even just wait until I, I've, what other people say about it. Because, uh, yeah, you can promise the world, and I think <laughs> I think I'm pretty jaded by you know all these promises developers thing make. But when it when the final pro- product doesn't deliver, then well, well, there you go. So yeah, for me, I'm not going to bother any demos unless it's like really close to the release and they've got all these systems they've promised then yeah, maybe I'll take a look. But I don't see the point of these demos rather than being almost like tech demos. <laughs> that's how it felt to me, especially the first one. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. And uh, I probably won't bother with any more builds of this for a while because I want to wait until it's significantly more advanced. But uh, like at the moment, it's almost like we're seeing a vertical slice of it kind of thing. So I don't want to come down on it too hard because for all we know, when it gets very near, like maybe they've got a ton of stuff that's just being held back and they're not showing it to us because it's, you know, not ready or it isn't integrated properly or whatever. I don't know. But I actually kind of am glad they're doing it with these demos. Like they're releasing iterative build as demos because it means that we're not paying to try it as as an early access because uh like a lot of us lately i think i'm sort of getting a little burned out on these early access games like i looked at the turn-based sale that's going at the moment and i was like there is nothing on here that i want and i actually something interesting that i only just noticed earlier on today and i've been meaning to try and bring it up with jesse to find out what the go is there was a game that came out a while ago that was in early access called crimson tactics and just looking at some posts on it today because i actually have it and i was going to install it and have a crack now that it's I think it launched like a month or two ago and I only just realized and the reviews were not great. And I had a look at it and I went, well, what, what the hell happened to this game? And basically it looks like during early access, the game sold so poorly that the developers couldn't actually finish their roadmap that they wanted to do. So they've had to cut the scope and then push it out of early access. And then they're talking about possibly doing another game to finish it off or something like that. They made this massive PR blunder because they said this about a day before it launched out of one point, launched into 1.0. So they've burned their customers, but they're caught between a rock and a hard place because they've run out of funding and they literally can't make the rest of the game that they wanted to make. So in that case, these people have paid for that and now they can't get it. And yeah, so I'm always glad that they're doing these as demos because we have the option to just not play it and it's, it's fine. We haven't lost anything by not doing it. 
That's interesting, you know, because I was about to ask the question, what is the point of these demos? Because, like, traditionally, right, demos are a developer will give them to a publisher or something and say, here's what we've got. Will you give us money to make this game? That was what demos kind of were. Also, back in, you know, around the same kind of time, people, the developers would, or, you know, usually single programmers, because that's how games were developed in the 80s, especially in the UK. You know, people would put out demos of what they were doing. Uh, just to kind of get a feel for what people thought of it too, which is, I think, is the aim of what they're doing here. But I think you've just answered that question quite nicely, Sean. I've never really considered it like that. If you are putting a demo out of a game and people are playing it, at least they don't feel like they're paying to be games testers If you know, with the early access thing. And that is quite interesting. Like, I thought it was a bizarre choice for them to do this. Like, why, you know, for a start, you're taking all the mystery out of the game really because part of the excitement of buying a new game is like oh what is this you know and obviously you'll do a bit of research hopefully to see if it's your kind of thing but i think if you overplay something earlier on then it kind of it you feel like it's familiar so i don't know like i was i thought it was a very strange choice to, to release particularly timed demos i hate them i just won't bother with them and you know i'll leave like i think you know if you are serious uh, i hate using the j word but you know if you're somebody who uh, writes articles about games right <laughs> then you should be playing demos you know to figure out what's going on but i just kind of avoid them because i just i find them really frustrating i learned that with master of magic i hated the time demo in that it really annoyed me so but yeah now i'm now i'm looking at it in the way that sean's just explained it it kind of makes a lot more sense really that it gives people a taste of what the game is without them having to actually pay for that experience and that's kind of you know it just seems a strange thing to do such an early i, I think it's too early for them to be doing demos honestly i think it's way too early yeah, I agree. It's too early. And I mean, the only audience I can think for this game is someone who's not played Gladius, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm finding it very confusing. I don't know. Maybe they're just using it to gauge different uh, aspects of the game, maybe, and see what the reaction is. I don't know. Yeah, but then you've got kind of like a development by committee thing that worries <laughs> yeah. me as well. Like, I, I think that you've got to be. I don't know, like, I think some some developers manage to do that very well. They manage to, you know, they, they take in feedback and they integrate it into their development process. I trust Proxy, by the way. I think they're a solid studio. Uh, yeah. I, I think that, so I trust them to make a good game without a doubt. I'm just wondering whether, because it was delayed, wasn't it? I'm wondering whether they've just sort of put it out to say, hey, guys, yeah, we are working on this still. Have a quick peek on what we're doing. But yeah, I, I just don't think, I don't see the point of it. Well, it just seems I've seen a lot of negative press over it, and it, it you know, people talking about it, saying, "Ah, it's just a reskin of Gladius," and other people are defending it. And okay, that's interesting because it's at least getting people talking about it. But I feel that I don't know. I, I, from what I was seeing, I saw a lot of people disappointed and and less people enthusiastic, to be honest. Which was the opposite of what was going on when we were interviewing Proxy, where was you know everyone was super excited to hear all these great ideas they had. So. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm not. I'm not really qualified to be able to judge whether what they've done is a good thing or not. But to me, it's it's questionable. I'm I'm, like, I'm a bit like, why? Why did you do that? <laughs> well, moving on from there, we had a Distant Worlds two patch uh, with uh, a lot of fleet updates and some other quality of life stuff, which I've not actually got around to playing, but I think I will this afternoon if I'm feeling any better. But yeah, again, they they're just moving on and, and making this game better and better. I think. Yeah, there was a lot of issues with fleets and certain ship behaviours that it seems this patch has cleared up a lot of that. Have you played Distant Worlds recently, Ben? I've not, not for a while, I'm afraid. I've, the thing about Distant Worlds is it's a real-time investment. And, you know, it's like... So if I'm going to play a game of Galsiv 4 through uh, Supernova, it's, you know, 
sort of 12 to 20 hours. I think Distant Worlds is twice that. It's a long game, man, unless you're playing on a small map. So uh, it's I just haven't really had the time. Well, I have had the time, but I've kind of put it into other things, to be honest. I've been like I'm playing on Underrail at the moment. That's the thing. That's the thing in my spare time that's been kind of taking me up. So I do need to play it. I, I like Distant Worlds too. I've, um, I, I was saying this the other day. I've got my top three Space 4X games are Remnants of the Precursors, Galsiv 4 Supernova, and uh, Distant Worlds 2. And I think those three games are, they're quite representative of three very different styles of Space 4X, and they're the best in the genre, in my opinion. And I think that Distant Worlds is is just coming on and on and on, as we knew it would. It's taken a long time. <laughs> like Code Force have been working on this, you know, diligently for a couple of years to really kind of bring it up to where it was. It's just a shame it had such a weak launch. Um, I, I feel that they're going to struggle to shift that mixed review score, and it's a shame. But other than that, I mean, it, it does not deserve to be a mixed review score anymore, in my opinion. I think the game is excellent. Uh, they've fixed up a lot of the stuff. They're even bringing in the much-requested and fabled um, uh, order queue. I, I, under- I think that they've changed their mind about that now, and they're going to put it in. So I, I think that everybody should be happy, apart from people who don't like the new ship design system, which is bizarre to me because i think it's so much better (laughs) this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate however it appears the study was inconclusive as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the reese's because when you want something sweet you can't do better than reese's find reese's now at a store near you yeah and they've also mentioned the Shektari DLC's coming I think it was supposed to come this year but now it's going to be early next year and also finally the first two updates to the uh, release races which is I kind of think they should have prioritised that once they started releasing these DLCs because like I said on previous episodes I find it really hard to go back to those races now <laughs> compared to the newer races I think yeah, they I really need to focus on updating those base races because yeah I they, they are I think that's the intention from what I've from the yeah but seen from Eric. when when they released the first DLC they said every month or two they were going to update one of the base races and this is like over a year now and they're still saying it's going to be coming with the next DLC, the first two race updates. And I think they should really stick to that pl- plan, really, and update them because, I don't know, to get that mixed reviews up, you're going to have to... I think after they release the next DLC, that should be their main focus, making sure they get all of those races updated up to the standard of these DLC races now. Because... Yeah, I love the game, but if there's not met, if there's only like four races I want to play or three races I want to play, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to go back to, to the game until those older races are updated. And, you know, if they keep releasing DLCs and the base races are still not being updated, I kind of feel a bit shafted by that, to be honest. Okay, yeah. I think part of it will be that they, you know, they do need to make money as well. And they've put a lot of development time into the game. Like, um, I'm, I'm interested to know how well it's sold because I, I have no idea. I reckon it must have sold pretty well when it came out because it was quite an anticipated game. And I know quite a few people were disappointed with the with how it was. I was one of those unlucky people who just, game didn't work very well for me. I, I actually liked the game, fair, you know, finally. I, I Sorry, I thought the game was fine on release. It wasn't, it wasn't like groundbreaking, although I did like the new combat system and the ship design system. 
but it had a lot of problems. Whereas, especially, you know, they've tightened it up a lot now. I think it's one of those games that it's always going to feel like it's got a few loose threads because of just the, how kind of loose the game design is. There's a, I mean, I can't imagine drawing a flowchart of all the logic systems in it. <laughs> it must be absolutely mind-bogglingly complex. I mean, look at this this system that they've got with the fleets. You know, you've got fleet upgrades and ship upgrades. Like, what is the what is the order of operations in which that works? Like, you know, when you upgrade a ship, uh, does it upgrade the fleet design? Does the fleet design uh, retroactively upgrade all the ship design? <laughs> it's like, what? I can't get my head around it. So I, I, they've, they've obviously painted themselves into an interesting corner with how complex the game is. But, you know, Distant Worlds 1 was complex too, and they managed to make a good game out of that in the end. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to play it anyway. I think we, I need to play it before I make any judgment. I mean, for me, the performance is stellar, even into mid to late game. Uh, so if someone was mentioning, I think it was on Reddit, they said they were having trouble with the mid game. I think right. for me, it's running fine. It's weird. But uh, t- I'll tell you one thing that's really, I found really good about Distant Worlds 2 is the automation system is really good and I'm much more willing to hand over control to the computer than I ever was. And now with these fleet updates, I'm even more willing to hand over more control to the uh to the AI. Because I the past couple of games I've been playing, I've I've really liked only controlling maybe two fleets and maybe one uh, one or two invasion fleets and then just leaving a lot of the defensive stuff and some of the uh attacking stuff to the AI. And this fleet changes they've made and how, how how they react to threats is making this even more of a possibility for me to focus on what I want to focus on and just let the game deal with the other parts I don't want to focus on. I think that's that's the most best change of Distant Worlds 2 so far. Even with the lack of content compared to the original, I think the whole automation system and letting you pick and play, which is was always the thing with Distant Worlds. You did what you want to do and let the thing. Now, in Distant Worlds 2, uh, sorry, Distant Worlds Universe, yeah, I, you know, we, we, we all did that masochist guide and that's how we played because you didn't want to leave ship. I've actually been leaving a lot of ship design, for example, to the air, which I would never, ever, 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 ever do in Distant Worlds Universe. And this was too, I'm quite happy to leave it to the AI, actually, <laughs> which shocked me. Yeah, I remember one of the things, one of the moments where I, I realized I really loved Distant Worlds Universe was when I figured out how the, the fleet automation worked, because you could set a target to an, you know a fleet, like, I want you to attack that system. And it wouldn't just go over there and start shooting stuff. It would like, it would pick a base to go and refuel from as well. And then it would repair when it needed to repair. And then it would, it would hit multiple targets. It was really clever. And... It wasn't really doing that in Distant Worlds 2 for quite a long time. And I'm not saying it was perfect in Distant Worlds Universe because it wasn't. It was a bit janky. But like the, I liked it was complex to use as well, to be honest. But that was when I realized that this game is amazing. One of the big criticisms that people have got about Distant Worlds 2 is they've really pushed players into the automation and taken away a lot of the tools that they had for manual play. And I think that, that is a valid criticism. However, I've not played the game for about six months, so I can't comment on whether that is still the case. I think once... Code Force add back in the manual, uh, what do you call it? The the order queue. 
I mean, I didn't miss it, to be honest, but a lot of people have been saying I'm not going to play it until they've added it back in and stupid stuff like that. So, like, obviously a lot of people really, really need that feature. I've, have you... I, I'm, there's been a notable notable lack of Tortuga power videos on Distant Worlds 2. Have you noticed that? Like he he, he said he's not... He, every time I spoke to him, he said he's not ready to play it yet. And yeah. I was with him with the Q stuff. That was the first thing that I was like... Because I relied so heavily on it on the original game, but I've actually found that I don't honestly, I didn't, I wouldn't care if they didn't put it in to distant worlds two now. I'm the same. I, I know. I understand Eric's complaint. And I, I think that it, I think for those old players, they need to put it back in. I, I don't understand why that was removed. In fact, I, I do know why it was removed, but <laughs> I'm NDA'd on that one, but it was, yeah. So, but anyway, it was, I, I thought that that was, um, bit of a stubborn choice i think on code forces part um and i think that they've come around to you know they've, they've started to understand now that people actually really they think that that's a really important thing but but you know it's like at least six months ago or four months ago whenever it was i last played the game i was super impressed with distant worlds too i think code force of they are they, they are reliable in that they have just like what stardock with you know with galsiv both kind of came out in shaky states and they've both worked hard to kind of really upgrade the games and i think code force have really they've plodded on they're such you know it's just a small team as well you have to remember that and it's a super complex game a small team super complex game they've added in a load of like resources like you know the three these 3d animations for you know all the races and stuff they've kind of like made themselves a lot of work to be honest and i think that they're 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 doing pretty well so i'm like you say i'm, I'm a little bit like eric I think I probably want to wait a little bit until the game is just a little bit more further down the line. I'm going to continue to buy all the DLCs. I'm not on the. I'm, I've not been doing any beta testing for them now for a long time. Uh, I kind of dropped off. I've just had to drop off that. It's not really appropriate for me now either as a Stardock employee, to be honest. So, um, so I don't do the beta testing. So I don't know what they're up to. But I'm, uh, I'm, I'm well behind it. It is in my top three favorite Space 4X games, and I cannot wait to see where they're going with it next. What What have you guys been playing? Uh, Dark Tide. Lots and lots and lots of Dark Tide, which is not a Forex. I'm not going to admit to what I've been playing. Sorry. You've been playing some fairy games. <laughs> no, okay. Oh, oh, my God. Seeing Rob's not here. <laughs> oh, what have I've you done? I've actually been doing something really weird. Go on. I've been playing a classic EverQuest server game. <laughs> EverQuest? Yes. Which EverQuest? one's <laughs> The original MMO before WoW was big. And this is a private server that's um, based on the actual 1999 version of EverQuest. Oh, wow. It's 1999. It's a long time ago. (laughs) So it's a full, full janky old school EverQuest without the the live servers of EverQuest have got 29 expansions or something like that. This is the actual original EverQuest. I don't ask me why I've been playing it. <laughs> you know, I've never played that, but there was a podcast I listened to where one of the guys is still to this day, he still jumps on EverQuest occasionally and he's absolutely obsessed with it. He's always got these random stories about, oh, there's one thing that happened in EverQuest or whatever. It sounds really cool. Like, it's one of those things we I reckon it's something you would have had to have been there for, probably. But like, I sort of got that with the early days of WoW, but uh, it sounds really cool. So, no, that's awesome, man. Good for you. Well, here's the thing. I originally bought EverQuest when it first came out. I think I ran out into a field, died, ran out into a field, died, ran out into a field, died, and quit the game and never came back. (laughs) 
So that was my only previous experience with EverQuest. And uh, I was watching, there's a YouTuber who was, um, I was watching and they were talking about this uh, server that was coming out that's got the green light from the devs, but it's not actually run by the, the team who own uh, EverQuest at the moment. But they actually allow people to run servers, which I thought, oh, that was pretty cool. But for those who don't know EverQuest, that was the big MMO before WoW came along and killed it, basically. <laughs> what about RuneScape? Wasn't RuneScape a big one around that kind of time? Yeah, well? but that's... Yeah, I guess. But I don't, I don't think it was out before EverQuest. I don't think so. And it was always sort of seen like a kid's game, <laughs> for me at least. <laughs> I, started, I started PC gaming in... Well, I, I didn't have my own PC until 97, um at the end of 97 i think it was yeah that's right because i would have been 18 so um yeah but so 99 i was well into i was just starting to play online games at that point uh, because that's when i'd i'd finally figured out how to uh, use an aol cd to get myself online and i had i was lucky enough that i my but my room that i was uh, sleeping in in my folks house actually had a telephone line in so my parents did not know that i was hooked up to the internet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like running up massive phone bills and uh yeah that would have been 1999 would have been about the time i was kind of playing these games um i, v- I vaguely remember the name I'm actually, i've actually just got up a pc gamer article that's claiming that it's still one of the best mmos that you can play um so i'm going to read that through i never got into mmos I, world of warcraft did, did not interest me in the slightest i played um star i think it was star wars online star wars galaxy or whatever it was called and i played that for about a week and then i was just like no this is weird yeah no i i didn't mind World of Warcraft. Actually, I was really into it until the Lich King expansion. I was actually in the full-on, like, pretty hardcore raiding guild for a while as a teenager. And then after that... Yeah, I did a lot of raiding. Yeah, yeah, the ICC, the 25-mans, all the rest of it. And then after that, it got really intense because there was this guy who was like, we're going to be a world first and blah, blah, blah. We didn't get it. I think he just rage quit the server or something. But after that, we got burned out because it's full on. It was like, oh, you're going to be here for two or three nights a week and you're going to do this and you're going to work on your, your compositions and all this kind of crap. And then after that, I was like, you know what? I think I've kind of had enough of this. And then I just dumped it. And I came back for the next two expansions, yeah. but just never, it never hit the same. And then I was like, all right, you need to stop buying these if you're not going to play them. And that was it. It's like when it becomes a job, you know, that it's kind of, it's like being in a clan. Like I, I, I was in a clan for, a, what was it? It was a game called America's Army. I had my own clan. Uh, America's Army was like a military recruitment tool, basically. That it was like a, you know a first person, it was you know inverted quotes, realistic sort of shooter. It was actually a really good game, like superb game. And um, I had yeah, and I had my own little clan. But it kind of got to the point where it just felt like work because you were really trying hard to kind of get good and rise up the rankings. And uh, you know, after a bit, it stops being fun, doesn't it? It just becomes like a bit of a chore. <laughs> Well, after derailing the topic, <laughs> what have you guys been playing? Yes, I've been playing 40k Dark Tide, which is way better than it was when it launched. This is how it should have launched. But anyway, we're a year on. Uh, yeah, no, it's really good. It's got some minor technical issues. Uh, some people losing their shit about how the veteran skill tree got redone at the moment, but I haven't really mucked around enough of it to know. But I don't know if it's just Reddit people getting angry or what. Um yeah, but no, it's really, really, really fun. And it's got cross-play. The sound and the music is phenomenal. It's very fun to play. The maps are cool. They just brought out this new update. And it's cross-play. I've been playing with my brothers and we've been having a blast. Like, it's one of the very few games that we all enjoy and are willing to play together. So, no, it's a really good time. That sounds quality. Wasn't there supposed to be another 40K game coming out everyone was excited for? 
Yes, there's uh, Rogue Trader, which is by Alcat. December, uh, early December, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's out. Uh, oh, it's out up real quick. But yeah, I think it's early December, like the seventh. No, uh, it is. Yeah, I, I liked. Eighth. I did like. The, uh, I liked the Pathfinder game. A uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker, I thought was a good game. At least mechanically, it was a good game. Um, it, it had problems, but it was. I liked the complexity of it. It, it. it, you know, that was my kind of game. Like it felt like a grognard game. Um, it probably isn't. <laughs> now I'll go back to it. But, but yeah, that uh, I, I reckon if they can make a game as good as that. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds really cool. I'm gonna probably buy it, but sit on it for a while because I have a feeling it's going to be quite buggy when it launches. But have, I don't know if you guys have read about the lore behind Rogue Traders, but I read. I wanted to know a bit about them. Turns out it's quite hard to find books that have Rogue Traders in them in in the lore. But I found an audiobook trilogy, and it was more to do with the Mechanicus, but they had a rogue trader riding along on some explorer to a fleet going yeah, places. Anyway, um, and it gave you an insight into what the what it's like to be a rogue trader. And they, they sort of have their own successful trading empire in imperial space, but they actually have a incredible amount of latitude compared to most citizens. Like They'd normally, if you're even suspected of associating with xenos species or heresy or anything like that you'd be executed on the spot but these guys get special dispensation where they can actually leave imperial space and trade with aliens and acquire alien technology and stuff like that without any sort of serious repercussions so yeah they have a crazy amount of attitude and they can just more or less do whatever they want so i'm really keen to see how that gets integrated into a game from alcat I also just noticed, yeah, Age of Sigma, which came out a couple of years ago, there's another version coming out on the 17th as well. Yeah. Which is kind of like an RTS game. I played the demo of that. I was actually almost going to mention that earlier when we were talking about the Age of Wonders 4 thing, but that's one of those like multi-platform RTS things. I played the demo of it. It sort of feels like a Dawn of War 3, almost. You got your everything's, you know, you got your nodes and you're taking over the map and all the rest of it. It was very slow. It looks very pretty, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm going to hold off and see what it looks like. Uh, I'm kind of interested, but I, I want to wait and see on that one. I, I don't know. I bought into Dawn of War 3 and it died pretty hard. So <laughs> I'm not real keen to get that and get have that happen again. I couldn't. I got it from a third party. I was so mad. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It just wasn't Dawn of War 2. Or Dawn of War One. It was just kind of like some bastard halfway between game, obviously made for esports. Some people really like it, you know. It it, it it's not universally panned, but I don't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Talking of Warhammer, did you hear all the fuss about Creative Assembly and the sort of insider leaks? Oh, how they yes. how they basically Rolling just using Total yeah, War yeah. to generate money, throwing out just reskin versions of Total War games and using that money to make stupid FPS games that fell. <laughs> yeah, that hyenas was a mess. I only know what you guys know, which is, you know, I, I've watched some of Olan's videos. I kind of struggle to watch some of them, to be honest. <laughs> I think when that guy's on form, he's on form. When he's not, he's annoying. But uh, yeah, he's, he's, he, he's actually put out some really interesting information. I've watched some of Legend of Total Wars videos as well. Um, I don't know, like, I think the situation with CA and the fan base is, is so unbelievably i don't like using the word toxic i really i'm not going to use that word that's not the right word it's become a battle and i don't think anyone wins this battle so ca have clearly done a lot of wrong that hyenas was a mess and they've, they've fucked up basically so what do they expect that's what i'm going to say what do you expect if you if you you had a you had a money spinner warhammer 3 you know was a money spinner all you had to do was keep pumping out dlc you could have invented a whole new load of races 
you know, all these weird, like, and wonderful, r- rare things like Nippon and Ind and all these other Koresh or whatever, all these different places that they, they could have made armies for. They could have done that and people would have been happy. And I don't, I've, 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 I've actually uninstalled Total War Warhammer like a while back. I've just stopped playing it. I just can't be bothered with it anymore. I've, I'm sick of how janky it is. I don't think it's a great Total War game, to be honest. It's not bad. It's fun. And it's, it's fun to just stomp over stuff with big monsters. But after a bit, it's not very tactical. It's not very, it's not a very good strategy game, in my opinion. So I've kind of gone off it. And I think that, but like still, I would have probably built, bought more DLCs for it because it was fun. But CA have really poisoned the water. And, you know, the fan base have kind of poisoned it back. <laughs> Some of them anyway. A lot of, a lot of them are very, very, you know, very good criticism. They've, they're, quite rightly expressing their outrage at what's going on some people are just cannot be pleased at this point so i don't know this is one of those situations that's just like there whatever but just I, I i'd like to see ca recover from this because i think they were a formerly good company you know they made some amazing games like medieval 2 and shogun 2 really really superb games they never really top those i've kind of stopped paying attention to the whole discourse to be honest like okay we get it you made your point everybody's mad that's I, I tend to dip out of that stuff pretty quick once I know what's going on. So I'm uh, just going to let it yeah, all burn and wait I'm and see what comes out of it really. at the end. I feel sorry for the content creators. Like, you know, like I, I've been, I always watch um, Nathan from Great Great Book of Rogers and like Nathan's been interviewing other content creators on, you know, other Total War content creators, which I've found really interesting. And I'm, I, it's interesting to hear how pissed off they all are basically by the whole situation. And they are pissed off with CA they put, you know, imagine building a channel and getting like hundreds of thousands of views, you know, hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands of subs or tens of thousands of subs, however big your channel is, even thousands of subs, right? And this is what your channel is for this great game that everyone likes playing. And you, you know, and then all of a sudden, CA just fuck it up like that. They just mess it up. And all because they got greedy and started putting their money into some stupid crap like hyenas. I would be fuming too. Now, there is something to be said about, you know, being careful to diversify your business and stuff. And that's fair enough. But, I feel sorry for those guys, man. I really do. Like, because I've seen Legend of Total War going back and playing. He's playing Shogun 2 and Medieval. <laughs> he's he's having to kind of go back and play these older games because people are so, they're just sick of hearing about Warhammer now. Like, you know, <clears throat> so it's just, uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if CA actually managed to sell any more of the DLCs that they're putting out. I think they've got to, they've got to start being more, got to start being more transparent and, you know, less corporate you know just talk to the fan talk to people be more human stop being stop having this professional in inverted commas face trying to put this professional face on everything it just doesn't work i don't know if that's sega that's doing that or you know what i don't know it's just a really bad look in my opinion they need to like that's one of the reasons why i like my boss brad brad will just if there's a problem with the game he'll just come out and start chatting about it he's really candid um you know and he'll just be like oh well you know we know there's a problem with this so we're going to fix that or yeah i don't like this too let's get it done so i, I think that they ca could take a a, a a page out of Stardock's book and just start being more candid with their with their customer base and they would they would see they'd have so much more goodwill if they did that let's let's move on i'm just going to quickly tell you what i've been playing um, just for the sake of completeness it's pretty much the same as the last time we spoke <laughs> i'm playing field of glory empires in multiplayer with richard york and my friend simon and uh, so that's something that i've been doing i'm still playing a uh, a john tiller war game called uh, Full to Gap 85, modern, modern, modern campaigns, Full to Gap 85. That's another multiplayer game I've got going on at the moment. And um, yeah, it's always playing Galsiv. Galsiv's in a really good state, by the way. Shameless plug. Go and check. If you, if you, you know, if you've been holding back on Supernova, go and check it out now. It's had a load of big AI updates and there's, there's some updates coming soon that are going to make the game even more 
you know the ai even more impressive so uh, yeah go and ch- uh, that's my shameless stardock plug for the day go and check out galaxy 4 again if you if you've been hanging back it's in a really really good state now definitely and um i'm about to start playing spellforce conquest of eo because i keep getting told that i need to play it and um, people are saying if you don't like age of wonders 4 go and play spellforce it's uh it's a it's not quite a 4x it's more of an rpg but it's really really good so that's on my two playlist. And I've been playing Underrail as well, which is a hardcore CRPG. And that's it. Oh, I have been playing Shadow Empires while we play still. I'm still in two games of that. And yeah, really enjoying it. And also, I'm loving the new portraits. They look so much better than the originals. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool, man. I, um, it was interesting to see the ones that he picked. I think he picked a good set there. Does that mean you can teach me how to play it now? Oh yeah, if you want. <laughs> yeah, I've passed that. Oh, I wanted to do it, but it, it just looks intimidating, and I'm like, I don't really have the time to like. When I, when I play games, I don't like to watch guides and learn the whole thing inside and out. I like to throw myself in the deep end and try and figure it out as I go. Which, well, we can play a little Moe play game if you want. Yeah, yeah. Shadow Empire is great for that. That it's it's because there's so much in it. Um, it if you put it on a small map and play it on an easy setting you're gonna have a blast and like you don't have to know this is what's great about the game you don't have to know all the mechanics at the start you only really need to if you're playing with oceania you really need to know the game really really well so i I highly advise you don't play with the dlc um but if you're just playing it look put it on easy or beginner or whatever it's called and uh you know and then just put it on a small map with just a couple of opponents and just play it it's great it's really, really good fun. And you just, the learning process in that game is really good fun as well. Yeah, I'll so, give you some advice. Yeah. Do what Ben says. And only when you get stuck with something, then look it up. Because the pace in the game is goes pretty well. I mean, sometimes you get shitty starts, but for, for the most part, the pacing is so well where you can sort of figure out that bit and then you might come up to something you might want to wonder, mm, how can I do this better or something, then you can look up <clears throat> just that aspect of the game. And once you learn that, then you can sort of play a bit more and maybe you'll stumble on something else and just play like that, really. You don't need to know everything to start the game. Absolutely. All you need to do, for example, like with the combat, um, you can just push your counters, at the, you know, at the start, you can push your counters around and you, get, you can get a feel for what's working against the enemy and what's not. And then as you start putting the difficulty settings up or you know you you come up with a situation where you you know you're not winning you can then start going into the details and going okay why is it that my my models aren't working so well and then like you might go and look at a das tactic guide at that point or something and there are there are some gu- there are i would advise looking watch, reading some guides on certain aspects of the game like model design for example is one that i think is quite difficult to understand unless you unless you actually you uh, you have it explained to you or you're very thorough with reading the manual and bearing in mind the manual's like what 350 odd pages it's huge so it's a bit of a mission but you don't like you do need to read the manual at some point but when you when you're learning it you don't yeah right so. i might uh, i tend to find that i need sort of a balance between something i can dive into but i also sort of need to be able to pick it up but i can at least poke around in it i've got some holidays coming up in December, so I might do that. Actually, speaking of, there's a few things I want to have a look at in December. So we got there's Rogue Trader, King Arthur, A Knight's Tale, that one from NeoCore. They've got a DLC, or I think they called it an expansion, and a 2.0 update coming in December. Actually, I think that was it for like games that are you know appropriate to the Explorinate what we cover. I don't know. Is there anything you guys are keen for that's coming next month? I guess Rogue Trader. It looks cool. It's not a 4x, but um, I'm I'm kind of interested in that. 
I think there's an update to I think there's an update to Imperium's Greek Wars coming, if I remember right. I'll just double check that. I'm sure Pavel was. I tell you one this. thing. I did play that uh, King Arthur game for an hour and enjoyed it, and <laughs> never went back to it. So maybe I should revisit that as well. <laughs> oh, is that yeah, a tactics um, game? Yeah, yep. Yeah, Edmund raved about it. I, I played. I think it was the same. I played a couple of hours of it and. I was like, oh, I'll just wait for it. And then I never went back. And then I was like, I should really play that. It was a couple months ago. And then I got an email because I backed it on the Kickstarter. And they came out and they said, oh, yeah, in Dece- I think it's December the 2nd. We're doing this 2.0 thing and we're doing this DLC. And I was like, well, there's not much point playing it now because it's t- going to take me forever to get through it. So I might as well wait for that. But when it comes out, I am definitely keen. Oh, For the King 2 came out. If you never played For the King 1, I would recommend go play that. For me personally, it's not that much different than the original for me to bother, and I played the original so much. So, yeah. Did it? I wouldn't be surprised. It's not that much different from the original. Um, I think it was technically busted too. It was extremely buggy, apparently, when it launched lots of crashes and just bugs all over the place. Yes, mixed review. 63 that's not too bad i mean yeah it sounds like most of the this is one of the problems right if you release a game with a lot of bugs and you get into a mixed review status um because a lot of you know some of these reviews are saying oh a lot of the people are uh you know the negative reviews were for bugs that were fixed in the first 48 hours that is a big problem right if you release a game that's got a lot of bugs in and you get tons of bugs people don't come back but they leave negative reviews you are in big trouble so it's really important to fix your bugs before you before you uh, release them but how do you do that in today's you know market where there are so many different computers and system setups i mean unless you like unless you can afford to have a big qa team which is really expensive you know when i worked at eurocom uh, a big games developer in the uk uh, back in the early 2000s we had a big qa team okay for uh, it was a 200 person team uh, a company i think there's about 200 people and there was i think we had about nearly 20 qa people so that will that will put it into mind but we did big games like you know we did a james bond game we we did a harry potter game they did a game for the uh, athens olympics like they did they did big you know big tie in games we did a crash bandicoot thing so like all sorts of stuff like that but still we had a big qa team and it was so because with console games um you can't miss stuff right in those days you couldn't you couldn't release a game with bugs it was a big problem if you did whereas now none of these developers seem to have qa and i think that's part of the problem they're using they're using the um using early access and they're using paying customers as their qa and that's just the way it's got to be because of money unfortunately i guess but that's why if you release your game and it's got loads of bugs and then you end up getting mixed reviews well good luck getting out of that it's not easy Anyway, let's uh, we'll wrap up, shall we, guys? Yeah, I think Sean wants to go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I have to be functional in the morning. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. I hope you don't mind our rambling and me talking about EverQuest, uh, which I won't do on the podcast ever again. <laughs> Rob's gonna fire you. <laughs> it's all right. Actually, Rob can't <laughs> fire you, the only one who shows up reliably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks, guys. Thanks for listening.